Welcome, bienvenidos, to Life is Inquiry, a podcast to carry the legacy of my mystical scholarly teacher, Jim Dixon. Every other week, you can expect to hear thought-provoking reflections of Jim's discernments and writings that have the magical effect of taking us from anxiety to equanimity with an honest inquiry of life. I am your host, Cristina Trujillo, honoring Jim's last incarnate wish to produce this podcast, to share the wealth of knowledge and wisdom he left me with. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we? What are we doing here? What are we pursuing? What are we fancying? What do we want? Why do we do the things we do? Where do our beliefs come from? Yes, questions, inquiry. I believe that uh, this podcast is serving to serving to facilitate inquiry. Yeah, it, I think that at least for me, asking questions often leads to the most delicious exploration in my mind, in my life. I went from really thinking that I knew a lot. <laughs> that I knew um, so much, you know, when we're young, we all can relate. When we're very young, we, we just really believe we know it all. <laughs> um, to, to now, really just asking the questions and staying open to these answers. And I feel that every time I ask the question and I have some deep revelation or epiphany, I might have it at the time, but then I know that throughout the course of my life, those epiphanies or revelations will again change. And I believe that's the beauty of life. Constant moving, constant change, reflections. Perhaps if we're fortunate, we evolve, we, we progress, right? We do better, we, we learn. Um, that's definitely something that I've always had within me is this hunger for knowledge, for progress, to learn. And I believe Jim saw that in me. He saw that hunger because regardless of how busy my life was, he always made time for me. He made time to share his deep discernments. He made time to teach me. He made time to share. And I believe that that's a great form of love when you make time because time is our most valuable commodity. That's one thing that, that we have that is the most precious thing of all is time. And so when we share our time with each other, I believe we're loving one another. 
especially if we're sharing consciously, if we're sharing of ourselves consciously. And I believe that this, this is what this podcast is. It's a sharing. It's Jim's intention to have to want to share his essay, choice, and experience. And it's my intention to carry his intention forward. We were supposed to do this together. And I'm, in some ways, we still are. He's here in spirit. Our spirits are endless. They're infinite. And, yeah. Here we are. And I'm... And I love choice and experience because it does go into these questions in a very poetic, eloquent, beautiful way. It almost reminds me of a spiral, right? Because as you're reading it or listening to the reading, it feels like, oh, okay, we're coming to a conclusion. Okay, we know what he's saying. And then... We go back almost, we go back in time almost. It feels that way, at least to me. But everyone's interpretation is important. And his essay is for you, the listener, to take from it the gems that it embodies because it's truly a treasure chest. And so although the podcast had the we have the intention of doing this podcast every other week, at least releasing an episode podcasts are very labor intensive and this is the labor of love folks volunteering their time so sometimes those pieces unfortunately cannot come together especially right now where we're all in survival mode i believe that jim his spirit understands this and is compassionate about this because he was he was a compassionate man and i also believe his spirit is happy knowing that the readers on this podcast are women of color. He would have relished that. He loved diversity. He, he honored that. He honored all sentient beings. And he did recognize his privilege as a white man. So I'm sure his spirit is happy. Anyhow, this is episode five. I am completely unscripted. I want to recap the best of the previous episodes, the paragraphs that have already been read out loud by the incredible Brandy Weintraub. Um, and yeah, and, and big shout out and love to Roxanne Villaluz who came on um, to read uh, his first uh, Jim's poem. So I'm going to do capture some experts to recap and I'm also going to read the last episode where we left off or the last uh, paragraph um, as a refresher. I'll read a new paragraph in preparation for episode six, which I'm really excited about because Anais, my friend, she already read the paragraph for episode six and her voice oh, it is so captivating so i cannot wait to release episode six so here we are with episode five and here are some wonder so here is my favorite excerpt from paragraph one quote we see ourselves as being leveraged by circumstances or our own emotional 
reactivity, or our beliefs, or the intensity of desire or societal pressure, or we insist that we are driven or inspired by honor, family, ties, patriotism, or some other social or religious ideal, end quote. Who can relate? Ooh, I think we all can. Um, personally, I have always been a very sensitive person since I was a kid. Uh, very, very emotional. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jim taught me that emotions, we, we, we have emotions when we have expectations because they are a reaction, right, to something, to something outside of us, to an external matter, circumstance. And I was just sharing with my son recently that, I don't know, I have been less emotional lately. And because my emotions were so heightened for most of my life, I realized that when I felt that I was in love, I used to base it on my emotions. But now that my emotions are subtle, they're almost like in the background of my ex existence, I have been questioning love. <laughs> and so that's just a little bit of insight for my personal life. Uh, but here is paragraph three. Plato's image and metaphor of the charioteer reigning in, directing the impulses of his team of horses, each horse possessed of his own inclinations, ambitions, thrust towards this in our struggle for self-identity. That impulse prevails. We course along, overriding all internal dissonance until another impulse or need becomes our focus in consciousness. We become so identified with the goal that our fixation on it becomes index, index Distinguishable from our sense of who we are. Why have we become so dependent on this pattern of object slash pursuit rather than exploration arising out of interest? So that was three excerpts from paragraph uh, three that I really like a lot. Um, and here is an excerpt that I love from paragraph four. Quote, interest, interest involves no pursuit, no pursuer, no object, and no projected futurity or self-infuturity. Interest is inquiry without the arrangement in time as end and means. Interest exists in freedom from the linearity of goal-seeking. Interest sidesteps preconceive motive, end quote. 
So as you can probably sense, my favorite excerpts from Choice and Experience point to self-identification, right? This inquiry of who are we? Who am I? Um, and Jim in paragraph five introduces the I object, which gets pretty deep and pretty wonderful. So paragraph five, quote, mainly we see ourselves when we bother to look caught in the scripted movement of successive impulses. I need this. I want that. Why can't I have that? Why can't I want that? I ought to be wanting something else. When we see these supposed discrepancies in what is and what we think should be, we say that we lack control or that our constitution is weak or that the charioteer is distracted or lazy or asleep or not sufficiently intelligent or motivated. So much less frequently do we question the object slash pursuit of itself. Who is that so yearns for the security preceding this turmoil among these competing, competing I voices? We recognize the echoes of teachers and cler clerics and parents and relatives and friends and colleagues, end quote. So those were two, actually two paragraphs from paragraph five, a few paragraphs, actually three paragraphs that I just read from paragraph five. And yeah, I, I love these paragraphs because it really, it facilitates that that questions, the inquiries, right, of our pursuits in life, our, our self-identification. And it also, you know, if you can relate, if you're someone that's ambitious, <laughs> then, then you probably have that inner critic with, within yourself that is judging, right, constantly, you know, wanting us to constantly be doing something or else we're, we, we feel horrible and guilty for maybe wasting time, right? And we judge ourselves, um, even though we do a lot, right? So I, that understanding that Jim had as, you know, when he read that, that for me speaks of his understanding and why he was able to be very compassionate with people. Um, because he, I feel, I feel like he definitely understood that inner critic. Paragraph six, at, uh, quote, at moments of crisis or indecision or conflict, who is the me that anxiously looks for the resolution of the differing voices? These voices, some representing our best rational distillation of possibilities and outcomes, others, our wants, needs, and particularly fears, are like Plato's horses at a moment of wildness or panic. Who is that so yearns for the security preceding this term oil? End quote. Paragraph seven, quote, Peace for such a person, if it ever arrives, 
comes not so much as acceptance, but rather as the gradual setting aside of the mind's projections of what also might be and in staying with the facts of the moment. This also very much resonates and reminds me of many of Jim's discernments, in-person discernments, um, where he you know, would help me to discern from projections versus facts. And I find that when we are in some form of turmoil, when we're faced with challenges, it is very, it's a good activity to do to map out what is a projection and what are the facts. It's very helpful and it's also very soothing. So definitely recommend that to folks. Here is an excerpt from paragraph eight that I like a lot. Quote, in essence, it is returning to the facts of the immediate, the flow of the responsiveness of the moment that allows the best chance for resolution. So my question for you beloved listeners this paragraph that I just, or this excerpt that I just read from paragraph eight, where it says that, talks about the flow of the responsiveness of the moment, um, which allows us for the best chances for resolution. Here's a question for you, the listener. What does that mean for you? What is that flow and being responsive to the flow? What does that mean to you? I'd love to know, so leave us a comment and please share. So we're now on paragraphs 9 and 10. This next paragraph is, if you're a returning listener, then you would have heard this on the last episode. And this paragraph that I'm about to read now, Brandy Weintraub lent, lent her voice for this paragraph. I'm going to continue it with paragraph 10, um, which is a new complete paragraph for this podcast for choice and experience. Here we go. Are you ready? Or we may come to the greater understanding that these would be eyes are no more or less real than the daily actor that has so long occupied the forefront of consciousness. So radical a clarity. If it is not just an idea, can only, can only come about through the scene of all images of the eyes as artifacts. Then there is the end of self-concern and attachment to all the eye creations, then there is suddenly space for the pr- presentness of life. Nothing is important. Everything is important. Paragraph 10. But nearly always we are seeking the controller, the charioteer, the eye, That among these competing demands, desires, impulses for movement can become the reference point 
a command authority, the center of operations. That particular I, the charioteer, the shepherd, must bring to consciousness the larger image, the greater desire, the more complete or higher goal, and thus we become the division of the lesser and the greater. Which is to say that this shepherd of wayward horses, sheep, must be the dominant, the higher up on the ladder, I, the supposedly more embracing, more correct, more dutiful, orderer of the matters at hand, the able prioritizer of the underlying subsidiary is less eyes. The central ordering, hurting, proprietizing, threatening, persuading, enforcing eyes is the most secure, most regularly appearing answer to the question who am I? The shepherd I, itself, a composition of many elements, not integral, is the most frequent, most habitual interlocutor in our internal and endless inner dialogue. It is the ear to whom all of the subset wanting, the needing, I, voices, appeal, and the oracle to which they anxiously, if querulously, listen. This shepherd, lord of potentiality, rebellious thieves, is required to be both angel and devil. He must placate descendant factions offering them some better, if more distant, reward than they presently insist upon. Or he must crack the whip demanding obedience to a higher good or paralyze them with the fear of consequence or being nothing, or worse yet, having a negative identity, an unwanted identity. End quote. Wow. I'd love your thoughts on these last paragraphs, latest paragraphs, but I, have all, I would love also your thoughts on the excerpts. What, is, what, what do Jim's words do to your consciousness? Do they help to facilitate, move things? Um, yeah, do they move some type of uh, consciousness within you? Is it subtle? Um, what does it bring up for you? It can even be annoyance. Um, we, I understand that these readings are definitely not, not for everyone. We all have our different styles and our different likings. And so, um, I, I am actually very curious to know people's, to find out about people's reactions to these, these readings. And I am going to practice, you know, being, being in a state of inquiry, in a state of interest, you know, doing something because it absolutely interests me, but also I'm doing this because it is something that Jim wanted. And, and when someone is passing away and they relate to you a dying wish, how can you not carry that forward, right? 
um, yeah, this is me paying it forward. And I truly, I truly hope that you as a listener, you're taking pleasure in it and that it, it means something. And if it's helpful, maybe you know of a person that might also like this episode, this podcast as well. I'm always welcoming new readers. If you'd like to be a guest reader for the podcast, please send me a note. This episode is brought to you by Re Media Productions, original music and audio mastering by Ryan Ayersman. And this has been Cristina Trujillo, your host and your reader for today. Until next time.